Wake up, America. It's Morning Air with John Morales. Si, senor. Sarah Tafoya. Bye-bye. And Glenn Leverins. This is Morning Air. On Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. It's Thursday, February 29th, 2024. Good morning and welcome back to our number two of Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn Leverins and studio producer Sarah Tafoya. Thanks so much for joining us on this Thursday morning leap day, the last day of the month. Can you believe it that the month of February is all done? Thanks so much for being with us here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. If you haven't signed up for Father Rocky's Lenten Lessons on the Mass, uh, these free daily videos, it is still not too late, even though we are two uh, plus weeks into Lent. Uh, you can still do it this morning at relevantradio.com slash Lent. Get ready to learn the Mass, live the Mass, and love the Mass more than ever before, as Father Rocky has said so many times. I want to bring in Glenn and Sarah once again. Hey, Glenn, what are a few of the stories making headlines uh, this hour on this leap day, this Thursday morning? Well, Donald Trump and the trial stuff continues to be a big story here during this election year. The Supreme Court will decide whether the former president can claim immunity over election interference charges. And uh, this is something that will delay at least one of the trials a little bit. And um, so that's something we're waiting for the Supreme Court to rule on. Also, uh, a Supreme Court ruling should be weighing in before too long on uh, what an Illinois judge has done, along with judges in Colorado and Maine, and that's to remove President Trump from their state's ballots. The reason given is the 14th Amendment's insurrectionist ban, a stay issued in Illinois by the judge, giving Trump's legal team time to appeal by the deadline which is tomorrow. So this uh, court business going fast and furious former, for the former president, John. It is uh, a court business indeed, Illinois, now the third state uh, where Trump has been booted from the ballot after Colorado and Maine. Do you think uh, this was a political move by this uh, Illinois judge? I think both sides are pulling out all the stops uh, this year more than ever, but uh, highly unusual to be dealing with this, and hopefully the court will kind of sort things out soon. Uh, again, one of the practical effects of all of that is the trial stuff gets pushed back. The further it gets pushed back, uh, if the president uh, is found to have, you know, almost blanket immunity, if uh, he's found guilty after he would say win an election, that could be vastly different from, you know, losing a court case and, uh, you know, being penalized in some fashion before the election. And uh, we are waiting any day for the Supreme Court to, to come down with their ruling um, on uh, this uh, case. And uh, it uh, obviously will have big ramifications uh, for the rest of uh, this uh, presidential election year. Uh, many experts think that the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court could uh, rule uh, eight to one or, or even possibly nine nothing uh, because President, uh, former President Trump was never actually charged with insurrection. He's never been convicted. And uh, there was a a lot of questions that even the liberal justice asked three weeks ago during the initial hearings. Yeah, at first blush, it didn't seem like the high court was kind of ready to, to go along with pulling him off the ballot. That's for sure. Um, both uh, President Biden and former President Trump are headed uh, to the southern border uh, today. Uh, this is uh, a, a big story because immigration is on the minds of so many people all across our country. Immigration and surveys turns out, John, to be one of the uh, the primary issues for many, many voters this time around. And so both of our major party candidates uh, will be headed down there today. 
Uh, Eagle Pass has been the kind of the busiest border crossing area there. Former President Trump will be there. Meanwhile, President Biden will be in Brownsville as well. Where it has not been very busy. So I'm not sure exactly what he's going to see there on the ground uh, since I think they had 12 people cross over yesterday. But he is expected to meet with uh, Border Patrol agents and some of the local leaders. Um, I think in in many ways it's a photo op. Well, the thing is, uh, border issues are a real humanitarian problem that uh, whoever is in charge will have to deal with this uh, more than uh, than politics on either side. Absolutely. It'll be interesting to see uh, what uh, unfolds uh, today in the Lone Star State. Meanwhile, it's Thursday, which means it's time for yet another edition of What's That Sound on this uh, Leap Day. Let's jump right in. It's hour two of What's That Sound. John and Glenn, you guys did actually pretty well for the ridiculous uh, audio clips I gave you in hour one. (laughs) Let's see if you can repeat the magic in hour two. Thanks again to everyone who is playing along at home. We always appreciate you as part of the Morning Air team. I've got my jumping sneakers uh, ready to go. Good. I hope they're laced. We don't want any tripping, but we're ready to go here, John. Let's see if you know what (laughs) this sound is. One more time. My goodness, it sounds like somebody uh, shuffling a bunch of papers. Close, close, close. Uh, Glenn, any ideas? Oh, it sounds like John wrapping his wife's birthday presents with all the papers. No, no wrapping. <laughs> close. It does have to do with paper, and it, there is, it's, it's not quite shuffling. It's a little Racing to the back to get to the sports section. I think that's what that is. It's a flipping through the pages, yes, of any book or even maybe even a flip book. Oh. Either any of you uh, flip book amateurs making flip books uh, as a kid? I think we oh, should get partial credit. Partial, I, I said it had to do with paper. I gave. I was going along. I was trying to help you with it. Unfold uh, the clue as it were. But who reads newspapers these days? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> there we go. That's a no. And we know that you're, you're, there's newspaper. People are already doing that. And even if you're not flipping through a newspaper, it could be a comic book. It could be, a, you know, an adventure novel. It could be the Bible. I, you, do you flip to get to the best part of the Bible, John? Uh, yes. There you go. So you've heard okay. it before. You just It's been a while, maybe. <laughs> right. You just open it up and let the Holy Spirit guide you. Okay, Glenn, here we go. Let's see if you know what this sound is. <laughs> Me struggling through typing before a computer was invented there on an electric typewriter. Yeah. Well, it, it was, okay, we'll give, it, we'll give you partial and correct there because it was a computer typing. It was not a typewriter. But um, that's kind of you struggling sometimes when you're writing in our chat here. You're right typing something, wait, backspace, clickety-click. Yep. That's, oh, yeah. that's me doing that as well, except I am not good at backspacing. I just let it go, and hopefully you figure out what I wrote, so... I appreciate your courtesy. You always try to. You know, I don't know if it's an age thing, but you know, (laughs) even in terms of texting, I like try to make sure I'm sending out proper punctuation and capitalization and spacing and and all of that. And I think maybe that's you know the uh, the people who've been around before texting kind of are more careful with that, perhaps, or maybe I'm just weird. Maybe Maybe both. When you were doing the keyboard, did you get slapped with a ruler every time you did it wrong? Oh, so now you're like, okay, I definitely don't want to get slapped again. I I got up to, I think, like 26 (laughs) words a minute in eighth grade when we had typing, but I'm I'm really glad for computers because I would be head to toe covered with uh, whiteout, I think, otherwise. Yeah, you don't don't miss the old Selectric typewriter days? 
No, matter of fact, my mom had an old Smith Corona manual typewriter at home, and I remember doing a few high school papers on that thing. Oh, that was a slow process. Uh, that's great memories, guys. Thanks for that. No, I, I was just thinking of like when my kids are doing their, their homework and, you know, they uh, are, you know, originally when they first start writing, they're writing with pencil and they're writing on the paper. And then when they get something wrong and I say, okay, well, you gotta, you gotta do that over. You gotta erase it and do it over. And they just like wrote one sentence or something like, oh, I have to erase it. You're like, guys don't even know. Just calm down. <laughs> it's fine. You're going to be okay. It's good to get a little eraser action. Do You'll they even okay. still sell whiteout? I, I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do. And uh, usually I can always know if sometimes I don't actually, I don't know if it's still in that like twist top, but they do have it like in a roll and you can just roll it right onto your paper. Maybe it's faster. I don't know. And I, did you guys know one of the, the, the quirkier, you know, classic rock and roll hunks of trivia was uh, Michael Naismith from the Monkees. His mother was the inventor of Whiteout. Oh, well, yeah. very good. Very nice. I did not know that. Hey, hey. You are the quite the historian, Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> okay, very good. Okay, you guys have one more. Don't get me distracted and we forget about the last clue. You still have one more to figure out so far. So good. Let's see if you can um, figure out uh, what this is from. Oh, my goodness. Opie and Andy. The Andy Griffith Show. Double go, yeah, very good. Oh, it, it's oh, it, oh, oh, the audio clip kept going, Glenn. You're so good. That was great. Uh, what, what? I didn't have anything to do with that. Oh, no. I don't know what you're talking about. Somebody else said uh, sounds just like about. you. Uh, well, anyways, uh, <laughs> yes, today, well, sorry, tomorrow is Ron Howard's birthday. But again, if it wasn't leap year, it'd be today. So I jumped ahead uh, of everyone and we're celebrating Ron Howard just a day early. He will be 69 tomorrow. Oh, my goodness. That used to be one of my favorite shows when I was a kid. I, I really liked the whole gang, Andy and Opie and Barney Fife and Aunt B. It's hard not to like uh, Fife. He's uh, he's quite a character um, and uh, great actors and great show. And if you haven't watched it, it's available somewhere on a streaming device or at your local library. So check it out. Yeah, what always. a career for Ron Howard, too. Oh, sure. I mean, starting out as a child actor and then, you know, being an Academy Award winning director amazing yeah i started to say as always uh, great stuff yeah. you, you pulled it really uh, some good nuggets uh, and, out of your head yeah and i'm, I'm as shocked as i shocked as i was that you did so well in hour one i tried to do a little bit easier in hour two but you guys didn't even need it you guys were rocking it out of the park today so congratulations to all of you uh, listening at home and playing at home and for you guys in the studio so great job. would that be a six for six uh, day <laughs> I can't remember exactly. I don't actually keep score, John, but you go back to the replay and you double check uh, the numbers, okay? All right. I'm an old baseball <laughs> player, so I like to keep score. All right. As always, thanks so much, uh, Sarah and Glenn. Hey, sure thing, John. First things first, uh, every hour here on Morning Air, we always begin in prayer, always giving thanks to our Lord for all of the many blessings. And we pray through the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary. We continue to pray for peace in the world, especially in the Middle East and in Ukraine, peace in our nation, peace in our church, and peace in our families. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death, amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of the unborn and of relevant radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, patron of the Universal Church, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of relevant radio, 
pray for us. And we invoke the Holy Spirit every single morning here on the program when we pray, Come, Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. On Thursdays, uh, we always take a brief moment to remember the institution of the Holy Eucharist on Holy Thursday by our Lord Jesus Christ. During this Eucharistic revival that our bishops have called for, let's try to make a visit to the Blessed Sacrament sometime today if you get a chance, if you have a moment. It's a beautiful thing to do. doesn't have to be a long visit, just a short little visit, a genuflection, and say, Jesus, I trust in you. Our power scripture from the Playbook of Life this morning is from Philippians 4.13. The Apostle St. Paul writes, I can do all things in him who strengthens me. This is one of the best known verses in the entire New Testament. Uh, Just before this verse, St. Paul recounts some of the different circumstances that he found himself in. He learned to be content no matter what the circumstance, no matter uh, the situation. St. Paul reminds us that our Lord Jesus Christ is our real strength. If we call on the Lord in the most difficult of situations, he will give us the strength. He will give us the grace to deal with it as well, if it's according to God's will. And we always pray with great confidence from the chaplet of divine mercy, Jesus, I trust in you. We need to take a a short pause when we come back. Kevin O'Brien, the co-founder of the Men of Christ Conference, and Jim McCulloch will join us to discuss their upcoming Catholic Men's Conference. So stay with us. There's uh, much more to come here on this uh, Thursday edition of Morning Air on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Connected to the conversation. 888-914-9149. This is Morning Air, your home for faith, fun, and news in the morning. How appropriate the boys are back in town. Welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn and Sarah. Thanks so much for tuning in on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app on this Leap Day Thursday. You can always send us an email directly. It's morningair at relevantradio.com. You can also find us on X, formerly Twitter, at Morning Air Show, as well as on Facebook. And our toll-free line, if you want to be part of our conversation here this morning, 888-914-9149, The reason I said the boys are back in town is appropriate because I want to talk to all the men out there, our brothers in Christ this morning. If you are in the Midwest, I want you to know about the upcoming Men of Christ 2024 conference that is going on in Milwaukee and other areas on March 9th. There is a fantastic lineup of speakers for men of all ages at every level of their faith. There's going to be mass, confession, personal prayer and fellowship uh, with many other men. This is a great opportunity to answer the call to be men of Christ. This year's theme is Mastering What Matters. Listen to some of the testimonies uh, from some of the men who talked about why they uh, should attend the Men of Christ Conference. The biggest thing I hear from a lot of men in their 40s and 50s is, oh man, I wish I could have been doing this 20 years ago. How do you make time for God? How, How do you make time for a conference? You just make time. You know, it's just a priority issue. Oftentimes, God's calling us to the unknown, and it might be 
uh, scary. Prior to the Men of Christ Conference, I was the very minimum Catholic. What Men of Christ has done for me in my life, I would say in a word, is transformative. It's helped me to kind of take the reins of my faith. The Men of Christ has done so much in my life, uh, especially with my wife and kids, uh, where it really matters most. We have this responsibility as husbands and spouses to initiate that path of holiness with our wife, but perhaps we don't know how to do it. And in Men of Christ, giving us practical things to take from the conference to the home and leading our wives. I invite you to join me at the Men of Christ conference this year. And joining us live from Milwaukee, Wisconsin area is Kevin O'Brien, the CEO of Best Version Media, to tell us uh, about uh, Men of Christ, one of the largest Catholic men's conferences in the country. Uh, Kevin O'Brien is also the the co-founder and president of Men of Christ, as well as the co-founder of the Catholic Men's Leadership Alliance. We're also joined by Jim McCulloch, the co-owner of McCulloch & Zweef LTD, a marketing communications firm located uh, in Grafton, Wisconsin. He's responsible for the Men of Christ brand, as well as the conference communication. My uh, brothers in Christ, uh, Kevin and Jim, uh, welcome to Morning Air. It's great to be uh, with the two of you. Thanks, John. Uh, Kevin, uh, let's begin with you. You co-founded the Men of Christ. Uh, Can you give us a a little brief summary of uh, the history and and tell us about the, the mission and the vision of Men of Christ? You know, so Men of Christ, you know, first of all, people are like, who are Men of Christ? Really, it's just Catholic laymen that are, are really striving to help men become better men, better fathers, better sons, better husbands, etc. And it was founded back in 2007, four guys around a kitchen table to, to really go after that and continued year over year growth until, of course, uh, we got shut down by COVID in 2020. And and then what we did is, and our Archbishop Lestecki here in Milwaukee really challenged us to help get people back in the parish and we took that mission seriously, and we really have been working very hard to to get souls in seats, right? To to go back and, and, and go out, I should say, and get them. So we moved from a one central location model to, and I, I know Jim's going to hit on this in a little bit, but a hybrid model. So now we're literally all over the country and, and even into Canada. So you know, our dream, uh, and hopefully not too distant future, is to to bring over a hundred thousand men. Uh, together. And men is, again, from high schoolers and even grade schools. My sixth grade will be there all the way up to grandfathers. So it's this spectrum of, of manhood that we're going after because we really want to inspire them to go out and do the good. And you asked about the, the, the mission and, and the vision. And one, you know, the mission really is to honor God, right? Everything we do is for the glory of God by empowering men to boldly live their faith. And we, we do that in three ways. One, to evangelize them. And the, so that means really the conference experience. We want a, to create this uh, powerful environment where uh, you can encounter Christ, where men can encounter Christ. What do I mean by that? Sacramentally, you mentioned confession, and of course, Mass is there, and the beauty behind all of that in the Word, and, and not only in the Word from the, the Bible perspective, but also just these inspiring talks uh, for guys, and then, of course, through others. Uh, uh, touching and, and shaking hands and just this fellowship that comes with it. So we're really striving to go after uh, the heart of the man, right? That first step in evangelizing them and then to catechize, right? So we move from the heart to the head and help to uh, form men in their faith, faith and then really encourage them to get beyond the conference. So conference is great and it really does 
you know, light that fire in your belly, but we're striving to get them beyond because we want to make um, a concrete change, not only in themselves, but in their family. We have a, a saying, you, you strengthen the father, you strengthen the family. And by doing that, you can actually start to change the culture. And we see that happening here in Milwaukee and then hopefully other places throughout the, the country that uh, are, are taking off. And then the last component is to unify. We really want to be uh, a unifying force for good where we unite fathers to their families and, and connect men back to their parish, right? Our, our focus is to get men into the parish and then help to build that back up and then strengthen that, that parish. And of course that flows right out into the community and you see a, a massive dis- difference. And here's the thing, and uh, you know, I'm uh, Randy, you guys, we, you hit on this a lot. You know, we need to unite as a Catholic Christian community, uh, the hostilities uh, towards uh, uh, people of faith continue to rise. I was just reading yesterday that uh, since 2020, there has been over 400 uh, attacks on church. So this idea of, of really unifying for the good, and also there's strength in numbers when you can, you know, have all these good men coming together to provide that right protection. Well, you guys are really, really uh, blessed. Uh, now in its 18th uh, year, uh, this year's theme, uh, Mastering What Matters, is is, is a, a wonderful theme. Uh, I want to invite our listeners, uh, if you've ever attended a Men of Christ conference, uh, we would love to hear from you. We'd love to, to hear what the experience was like, how it, it touched your heart, how it brought you closer to Christ. We're taking your calls for Kevin O'Brien, the co-founder and president of Men of Christ, at 888 Now I want to go to Jim. Jim, I know you, you are in charge of the Men of Christ brand and the conference communication. Can you share with us a little bit uh, about uh, the conference experience uh, with Men of Christ? Yes. Yeah, good morning, John. Good morning, all, and thanks for uh, having us on the show. I'll start off with a quick shout-out to my son, Xavier, who's on his way to Dominican High School right now, and I say that because... Men of Christ is not just for men, it's for men to bring their sons and their brothers and their uncles and, and any friend, any important man in their life. You know, so it's, you know, it's just a great day to be together and hear messages that are truly targeted at the needs of men in today's society. Um, we're going to start off at 845 Central Time, but don't worry if you're in California, wherever um, you can, because it's a, a YouTube live stream, you can scrub back to the beginning whenever you want to start the conference, you know, so, but if you join us, you'll pick it, pick it up live wherever we are, and uh, you'll be able to follow along with the conference book that's online. Um, we're going to hear first uh, from Mr. Uh, Dave Durand, and uh, obviously well-known to our uh, relevant radio audience out there. And Dave's going to be talking about uh, an interesting talk called Let's Go Slay Some Dragons, right? So uh, a very uplifting talk here. And slaying dragons, right, starts with uh, the sacrament of confession. Um, Dave's going to be followed by Father Mark Bernhardt, just a dynamic priest out of the Diocese of uh, uh, Joliet, Illinois. And um, Father Bernhardt's going to be talking about sin and the battle of the mind, right, so much of what happens in, in our daily lives, it's controlled by the thoughts that we have, right? So how do we get ourselves out of those patterns that are causing us these, uh, causing sin? Um, for many men who've been participating in That Man Is You um, in this past fall season, uh, we were uh, had a chance to listen to Sam Blair. And uh, Sam is go- a former Navy SEAL, and Sam's going to pick it up where Father Bernhard led off. And he's going to talk about being how you are called to lead, right? You're called to lead 
as a man, as a, as a, as a husband, um, as a father to your children? How are you called to lead and what steps are you going to take? And then our own uh, Kevin O'Brien on the phone with us today. Uh, Kevin is going to talk about what's really important when you master what matters. Kevin's going to talk about mastering what comes next, right? We all have these great conference experiences, but at some point, the conference goes away and that, that zeal that we had goes away. So mastering what comes next is getting involved with your men's group, getting involved with other like-minded men. It sounds like an outstanding lineup, but uh, as you pointed out, n- many of them have been here on our show on Morning Air. Of course, uh, Dave Duran, a regular contributor uh, every week. So uh, it's going to be a fantastic uh, lineup of speakers uh, for anyone uh, who actually gets a chance to to participate in this year's Men of Christ conference. Um, Kevin, do you uh, do you think that there is a need to evangelize men in this day and age more than ever before? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. It's a great question. And John, you know, um, when you look at the data on this, the answer is absolutely yes. I mean, I think a lot of people personally feel that, but uh, there's a a new study from the Pew uh, Research Center that uh, I would say reveals a staggering statistic. And I didn't even know this, but the United States is now the number one globally in fatherlessness in homes, meaning that there's no father in the home. So the U.S. has the largest uh, or I should say the highest rate of children living in single parents homes. And, and we, we know what comes with that, right? It, all kinds of, uh, I should say, there's a litany of problems that, that really flow from that. And from violent crime to, to poverty, et cetera, there, the National Fatherhood Initiative uh, has, has put together a document, about 163 pages, just listing out all of the different things that come with it. And then interesting, just from a, a guy perspective, and we know this post-COVID, roughly about 17, 18% of people now are Catholics that are attending a weekly mass out of that 55% of men do not have, uh, they don't know 10 men by their first name. And then 31% of them do not have one close personal friend. So there's this isolation and then the fruit of isolation is loneliness. And of course that leads to despair. And of course that you've, you've got, yeah, you roll that into the, uh, the younger men. It's just, there is such a need. And also there's a hunger for our young people, there's a thirst for for knowing the truth. So yes, absolutely, there's that need. Well, we mentioned uh, with Jim uh, talking about the, bringing uh, your sons uh, for uh, the dads out there. This really is a, a great opportunity uh, for men of all ages uh, and all different roles uh, to come together and to experience uh, that fellowship. Uh, there's no loneliness at the Men of Christ uh, Conference. There is no loneliness there. And one of our, our goals is to make sure that men um, are encouraged to talk to one another. You know, how often do we kind of do that little casual wave to the guy? in the other pew, right, that we've seen for 15 years, but we don't know anything about them. We might know who they are, but we don't know them. And that's what Men of Christ seeks to change. Um, I will also add that we've, uh, if uh, many people know him around the country, Father John Lococo uh, is going to be our MC, and uh, Father John has a great segment that he's going to be talking with a young man who discerned the priesthood, right? So this is a, uh, and, and now it's a, you know, uh, you know, now it's a great family man, right? But um, here's a chance for men to see other young men are, are thinking about a vocation and not just to brush that aside, but to follow that um, idea a little bit and see where God leads your heart. Jim, real quick, uh, how can men sign up uh, for, for uh, this conference? Yes, um, conference is free. You can go to menofchrist.net. 
you can register at a local parish. Um, there's even a chance if you think you want to bring a group together to register a location. Um, and But otherwise, um, if they go to the registration page, way at the bottom right, they'll see home viewing in case they want to do this uh, in the company of their children in their own in their own homes. Once again, menofchrist.net. Uh, Kevin and Jim, it's been a delight. Thanks so much uh, for being with us uh, this morning. We really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Many blessings to both of you. Kevin O'Brien, a co-founder and president of the Men of Christ Catholic Men's Conference, and Jim McCulloch, the co-owner of McCulloch's Swift LTD, uh, responsible for the Men of Christ brand. We need to take a quick break. When we come back, our spiritual director, Father James Kabicki, will be with us to talk about blacks on the road to canonization on this last day of Black History Month. So stay with us. We're headed down the stretch as we we always say on this Thursday uh, leap day here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales, along with Glenn and Sarah. Thanks so much for joining us on this Thursday in the second week of Lent. Happy Leap Day to all of you. I'm so glad that you could make us a part of your morning here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. You can always send us an email directly. It's morningair at relevantradio.com. And our toll-free line, if you want to be part of the program, 888-914-9149, sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters. That's 888 Now, Lent is a great time to practice spiritual reading, as we talked about in the first hour. It's also a good idea to get to know more about the lives of the saints who can really inspire us to grow in holiness. Now, today is the last day of Black History Month, and I want to take uh, this opportunity to talk about some African-American Catholics uh, who are on their path to sainthood as uh, the U.S. bishops have begun the process for them uh, to be recognized as saints. Joining us live is our spiritual director, Father James Kabicki, with much more on Blacks on the Road to Canonization. Father Kabicki is a Jesuit priest, a retreat and spiritual director at the St. Francis de Sales Seminary in the Archdiocese of Milwaukee and a longtime relevant radio contributor with his daily prayer reflections, as well as a longtime contributor to this program, to Morning Air. Good morning, Father Kabicki. Thank you so much for being with us. It's a joy to be with you once again. Well, thank you, John. Good to be with you on this last day of Black History Month and as we continue our Lenten journey. And uh, I'm excited to talk about uh, people who are going to be, uh, well, they're on the road to being beatified. Uh, Our bishops have um, signed off, as it were, on their uh, process. And so some are known already as servants of God and venerables, and uh, they're, they're great examples to all of us of how God is at work in calling all of us to become saints. 
Absolutely. So let's get right to it. The USCCB has uh, recognized the holiness of, of six uh, individuals who are in the uh, the process of their beatification and ultimately uh, uh, their canonization. Uh, let, let's talk about uh, Pierre Toussaint. Uh, can you share us with us a little bit about him? Okay. He was born uh, in Haiti and he was a slave and uh, he ended up in New York, and after his owner died, he was able to acquire his freedom in New York City. He died in 1853, and uh, he was a hairdresser. Interestingly, he was very successful in uh, creating a business uh, um, where he would, uh, you know, uh, help people look good, uh, hairdressing, and he... Uh, he was able to accumulate quite a bit of uh, financial resources in um, in his work, and he was not someone who, you know, uh, kept all this to himself. But he he helped the poor, and so he shared his his wealth with uh, people who were poor uh, in New York City. He is the only layperson whose body is uh, buried or entombed at St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York. Uh, which I think is kind of interesting that, you know, there's a, uh, other bishops and priests who are buried there, but he's the only lay person to be buried there. And uh, again, you know, part of his sanctity was was the fact that he uh, had a great concern for the poor, something that all of us during our Lenten journey uh, should also have in mind, uh, because one of the Lenten practices is almsgiving. Can you imagine if he becomes a saint, he can be uh, the patron saint of hairdressers? You know, I, I hadn't thought about that, but as you began talking about that, John, I thought, you know, it's perfect. Just I just got I a haircut yesterday, too. The patron saint. <laughs> yeah, very, very nice. <laughs> yeah, I don't know who the patron saint I know that uh, another um, um, black saint who we do have, uh, but he was born and raised in Peru, uh, St. Martin de Porres, he was a barber. Uh, so maybe he's the patron saint of barbers. Pierre Toussaint would be the uh, patron saint of hairdressers. So there, there that's a, a great thing. I, I, we can pray for his uh, beatification. All right. Uh, another uh, saint, uh, and uh, this one from the Caribbean, an African-American, um, on uh, her way to uh, canonization, Mother Mary Lang. Yeah, she's uh, really great because she founded the first religious uh, order or congregation for black women in the United States. And uh, she founded that in the year 1830. It's known as the Oblate Sisters of Providence. Uh, again, you know, during that time, uh, many religious orders uh, because of the times, the racism of the times, they did not accept black uh, vocations. And so uh, Mother Mary Lang is, is one of these people who, where, where one door closed, she was called by God to open a new door. And that door was the very first religious congregation for black women, African-American women in the United States, the Oblate Sisters of Providence. And they served uh, in mostly the Baltimore area where they were teachers and nurses. And Mother Mary Lang died in the year 1882. And so um, she would have been a, a contemporary of uh, our next uh, a black uh, a person that's on their way to uh, sainthood, and we're, we're talking about Henriette uh, DeLille. 
Right. Henrietta Lil. She was uh, born in the South uh, and was a free woman. Um, and, uh, at, you know, at the time there were um, enslaved black people, but also uh, some free black people in the South. And she was born in, in the year 1842 in New Orleans. Uh, uh, rather, she was born much earlier than that, but in 1842, she founded the Sisters of the Holy Family in New Orleans. Again, another one of those examples of someone who was drawn to religious life, could not find entrance into a religious order, uh, and so the Lord called her to found the Sisters of the Holy Family. And she died uh, in the middle of the Civil War in 1862. But uh, many of her sisters uh, during that time of the Civil War, you know, served those who were wounded in battle or uh, uh, who were afflicted with different diseases uh, in the South uh, at that time. So uh, she's another one, Henriette de Lille. And uh, to put it in historical perspective, I mean, today, uh, Catholic blacks are a, a small minority of, of the church by comparison. Uh, they were even smaller back then, you know, in the 1800s at the time of, of the Civil War. That's right. In many cases, you know, um, if their owners were Catholic, uh, they were introduced to the Catholic faith. But uh, the, the other aspect of it is uh, in the South— uh, especially in Louisiana and New Orleans, uh, it's a very large Catholic population. And so uh, that is, uh, I think, the state that um, may have the largest population of African-American Catholics today. And that's in New Orleans, also the first uh, college university founded specifically for African-Americans, Xavier uh, college or university in New Orleans uh, has has been doing great work um, over oh many decades. I can't remember the year they were founded, but uh, they certainly uh, have uh, provided education and uh, helped uh, people find opportunities that they would not otherwise have had. Um, the uh, the next um, uh potential saint is Federal Father Augustus Tolton. He is on his way to sainthood. Very loved here in the Chicago area. There's a special devotion to here to Father Tolton. Can you share with us a little bit about him? Oh, certainly. And and I read a biography of him. Uh, again, it was one of my own Lenten practices, you know, of, of reading a biography of saints. And so I read about him uh, a couple years ago. Uh, he was born into slavery in the year 1854. Uh, excuse me, born into slavery, yes, in 1854, and uh, in Missouri. And his family was able to escape to freedom in Illinois. Uh, and he felt called to the priesthood, but at that time, again, uh, because of the unfortunate, um, uh, the unfortunate uh, sin of racism, uh, he was not able to enter any seminary. They would not accept the black man in the United States. However, he had a, a pastor in Illinois who um, saw his holiness, saw his desire to uh, become a priest, and basically supported him in his vocation and arranged for him to go to a seminary in Rome. And at the time, the, the thought was, well, there, there was no possibility of a black man 
uh, being a priest in the United States. And so when he was in Rome, uh, the plan was for him to go as a missionary to Africa. But as Providence would have it, he was able to return to the United States and served as the first African-American priest in the United States um, in Quincy, Illinois, and uh, then later, as you mentioned, in Chicago, uh, where he really, he wore himself out in uh, the pastoral work that he did, and he died in 1897. Uh, but he's certainly a, a great hero for many people, and uh, I'm glad to hear that there's such a great devotion for uh, to him in Chicago. There is, in fact, that the Little Sisters of the of the Poor, uh, where my mom is, uh, they have pictures of Father Tolton, uh, you know, on the walls uh, there uh, at the nursing home. I mean, he's he's very uh, loved here in the Chicago area. I want to invite our listeners here before we run out of time. If any of these holy men and women have been an inspiration to you, um, maybe you can share with us how you learned about them or any experiences you too may have had of uh, doors closing uh, to you and then a new and a better door opening, like what happened with uh, some of uh, these uh, saints in the making. We'd love to hear from you. We're taking your calls for Father James Kabicki at 888 Four nine, uh, Father Kabiki. The the uh, the next one is a black woman uh, who was a freed slave, uh, Julia Greeley. Uh, tell us uh, about her. I understand she has a connection to the Jesuits. Right. I'm I'm really excited about her cause for uh, canonization beatification having been opened. Uh, she was a freed slave and uh, came to know of the Catholic Church and was baptized in Denver in the year 1880 at Sacred Heart Parish. Uh, it was a parish that was run by the Jesuits. And so the Jesuits introduced her to devotion to the Sacred Heart of Jesus and the Apostleship of Prayer, which had been formed in France in 1844, but spread throughout the world in the 1860s and 70s. And so the Jesuits at Sacred Heart Parish in Denver introduced her to this devotion in which the Holy Father gives a prayer intention every month. And John, you may remember I was the national director of the Apostleship of Prayer from 2000 three to 2017 of course and, uh, when I first <laughs> yeah and when I first learned about her uh, that she was a member of the Apostleship of Prayer that she was uh, one of our members who was on the road to being recognized as an as a saint I I was really excited she used to go around Denver with a, a little red wagon and she would deliver food and clothing to the poor but she would also go to all the firehouses in Denver with the materials of the Apostleship of Prayer basically sacred Heart pictures and uh, the monthly leaflet with the Holy Father's prayer intention. And somehow or another, she got it in her head that she would go to these firehouses and introduce the um, rescue personnel, the firemen, to um, the Sacred Heart and to the prayer for the Holy Father's intentions. And she died uh, in the year 1918. Well, the, the vast majority of the saints that we've talked about so far uh, were from the 1800s. Uh, we have a more modern 20th century um, recent black sister who's also among the African-American people on their path to sainthood. And we're talking about Sister Thea Bowman. Tell us about her. Well, she and I, I remember when she died because she was very active in 
in the church. She uh, was born in 1937, grew up in Mississippi, where she met Catholic religious women in the, the schools that she went to, and she was drawn through them to become Catholic herself and uh, in time, she joined the Franciscan Sisters of Perpetual Adoration. Uh, in time, she, uh, because there were so few black sisters, uh, she wanted to found uh, an organization that would support um, black sisters and support um, vocations and promote vocations to the sisterhood in the African-American community. And so she founded the National Catholic Black Sisters Conference. And uh, she died, unfortunately, at a young age. She died of cancer in the year 1990. Uh, but as you said, you know, she's uh, somebody from the 20th century that, again, we can look to as uh, someone that cooperated with God's grace to make her a very holy person. There is so much uh, that we can learn uh, from uh, all of these holy people. Uh, can, you, can you share with us maybe a few spiritual lessons uh, that every one of us can take away? Well, first and foremost, I think, you know, in, in the case of most of these uh, individuals, uh, they s suffered from racism, the effects of racism, but that did not make them bitter or resentful. And uh, they joined their sufferings to the sufferings of Jesus and basically um, followed the grace that he gave them to, to reach out to those who were also suffering. Uh, most of them were converts who were drawn to the Catholicism through the good example of Catholics who taught them or encouraged them. And uh, the third thing I'd say, they never gave up. You know, when one door closed to them, they trusted in God's providence and uh opened, uh, um, waited for other doors to open. So I think all of us can learn that, not to give in to bitterness, resentment, uh, to be good examples for others. That is what will draw them to the Catholic faith and to never give up and trust in God's providence. And it's very fitting that we talk about these uh, black uh people who are on their way uh, to uh, sainthood uh, here on this last day of uh, Black History Month, something you will not hear anywhere else than this perspective here on the show. Father Kabicki, as always, thank you so much uh, for being with us. Oh, so I'm so happy to be with you, John, too. And may all of us be blessed as we continue our Lenten journey in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much. Uh, Father James Kabicki, our spiritual director. Now it's time for another episode of Glenn Story Corner. Our story today is called Expressing Gratitude by Thomas Monson. The beauty and eloquence of an expression of gratitude is reflected in a newspaper story of some years ago. The District of Columbia Police auctioned off about 100 unclaimed bicycles Friday. One dollar, said an 11-year-old boy as the bidding opened on the first bike. The bidding, however, went much higher. One dollar, the boy repeated hopefully each time another bike came up. The auctioneer, who'd been auctioning stolen or lost bikes for 43 years, noticed the boy's hopes seemed to soar higher whenever a racer-type bicycle was put up. Then there was just one racer left. The bidding went to $8. Sold to that boy over there for $9, said the auctioneer. And he took $8 from his own pocket and asked the boy for his dollar. The youngster turned it over in pennies, nickels, dimes, and quarters, took his bike and started to leave. But he went only a few feet. Carefully parking his new possession, he went back 
gratefully threw his arms around the auctioneer's neck and cried. When was the last time we felt gratitude as deeply as this boy did? The deeds others perform on our behalf might not be as poignant, but certainly there are kind acts that warrant our expressions of gratitude. Luke 17, 17 finds Jesus asking, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? As always, thanks so much, uh, Glenn. That'll do it uh, for this Thursday, February 29th, 2024 edition of Morning Air for Glenn Leverance, producers Sarah Tafoya, Gabby Burke, a Young Thomas, our entire Morning Air team. I'm John Morales. Thanks so much for joining us. Let your light shine before all. God bless America. We'll see you tomorrow on the next Morning Air. The Patrick Madrid Show is straight ahead.